Hey, welcome to the Wandering Bots Podcast, episode 40. It's late April. Now I have to record, now I have to put this up and edit it soon. I'm Tristan. <laughs> Your own deadline. I'm Dylan. <laughs> Arbitrary deadlines. And I'm Justin. Yeah, it's episode 40, which means we have a guest on this one. Every 10, it's Justin. Every time. <laughs> no, Hello. Nothing, no changes to that ever. That'll always be the case. <laughs> Uh, you know what the drill is. We got monster manuals. We're going to roll dice. We're going to go to a random page. And then uh, we're going to talk about whatever we find. And then later on, what are we talking about, guys? It's me, Mario. Monsters. Specifically, not Mario. Unless that is one of the monsters. It's a Maybe. Could be. mustache plumber, <laughs> and he's going to clean your pipes. With his whole body? Yeah. He's just going <laughs> to slide in through them. That could be kind of terrifying, like like a like shape shifting Italian plumber <laughs> just fits into any pipe. He just turns into a snake, uh, like a hairy snake. And yeah, just goes through and cleans him. <sighs> and just whatever shape he's in, he always has a mustache. <laughs> that's how you know. It's uh yeah, that's the uh, the body horror version of Super Mario Odyssey, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he throws the hat at your barbarian, and suddenly your barbarian grows a mustache and turns menacingly towards the rest of the party. Yeah. It's a me. Yeah. <laughs> Mario. Roll those dice. Let's roll the dice. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. 33 is Bugbears. Bugbears. We done bugbears? I don't think we've done bugbears. We've done hobgoblins. Done bugbears. Yeah, they're different though. I don't think we've done goblins either. We actually haven't. That I know because you'd you'd be all over it. <laughs> bugbears. Justin, do you want to describe the bugbear? So a bugbear is not a bear, which is what I thought for a long time until I actually looked up a picture. Not a bug uh, either. Not a bug either. Is uh, it's kind of a a very furry humanoid creature. He's got pointy ears, uh, pretty big muscles. He's wearing some like some spiky armor and he's got holding a big spiky club. Uh, looks got, pretty angry. He's got like he's got like wild big eyebrows that curve upwards. It's like a big Wolverine. Beard. Yeah, you and a brown the Wolverine beard, pretty <laughs> yeah. stylish. I really like this guy's club. His mace, it looks really cool. I like the metal spikes that are sort of like nailed onto that thing. They look, yeah, he looks like it's got a lot of blood on there, rusting it up a little bit. That's how you know he gets he gets busy. Oh, they man. are born for battle and mayhem. They survive by raiding and hunting. They bully the weak and despise being bossed around. So, I mean, I think most of this comes back to the goblinoid heritage, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they they just they just love murder. <laughs> it's their favorite thing. They cannot get enough of it. And this guy, he's like the he's the one that's actually big and capable of doing it amongst you know goblins. Yeah, it's like goblins are kind of just like the the chaos grunts of the group. Hobgoblins can get a little bit fancy because they can learn magic. Um, but bugbears is just big big boss men. Not not super smart, not super charismatic, but the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest. Yeah, so the goblins and hobgoblins kind of they got to use them even though they're not reliable. Yeah, I like to use these guys as um, I like I like to use like the goblinoid hierarchy 
And while hobgoblins are clearly my favorite because they're they're organized and disciplined and you and very lawful, these guys are just good for like, um, if you're gonna have a bunch of goblins, a bugbear chieftain or just a bugbear is is just a good leader, um, because it makes them stand out, and it it gives you a reason for like why are these goblins a problem? Well, it's because they have a big jerk ambitious bugbear in charge, who's telling them to do stuff. I think I think the most one of the best villains I've seen in D and D is in Lost Spines of Fandelver. They have a bugbear leading a bunch of goblins named Clark, and it's um, a good name. I mean, it's a it's a rad name too. He's 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 a popular character because I think on the Adventure Zone podcast they they really took him and ran with him. They 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 really got oh, made him extra goofy with the character. But yeah. mostly, I've done Lost Minds of Fandelver with a couple different people. And even just doing it as written, Clark Clark is someone that people remember. Just as like he's a bugbear in a cave, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Clark, that guy was terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> Does he have anything special? Was he like a, a bugbear chief? Just a bugbear. He's just a love. He's your level one a... party, and he's a bugbear with like two goblins. Bugbear. But he he yells in third person. His name is Clark. So, huh? Everyone remembers he just him. Says Clark attacks you. <laughs> and everybody's like oh yeah clark's awesome yeah. <laughs> wow it was so great when he broke my skull with his morning star that's right that's right i had memories i the the character can escape so i had him come back later as a bugbear chief when the party was third level and um oh see that's fun he got promoted it's moving up in the world got some better armor yeah yeah big time Hey, do you guys want to? You guys got any other things you guys want to say about bugbears before we move on to stats? Um, I think that well, this last paragraph about they they like to ambush. So, based on like what what they're wearing and how he's yelling so much in the picture, you'd think they just want to like roll up and and smash face. But it sounds like they actually like to stealth around and ambush, and and they flee apparently too. So like what you're talking about with Clark, um, which I guess it makes him a little bit smarter than your average goblinoid. Um, or at least a little bit more tactical. Um, but yeah, they they like to they like to leave their wounded behind as a distraction. That's real nice. As afterwards, that it says the the wounded one might help the pursuers track down his former companions in doing so saves its life because <laughs> they don't have much self interest. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's good. They are chaotic as it gets. Oh yeah. Pretty good, pretty good armor for CR1, 16, 27 hit points. So, you know, hard to hit, but they go down decently quickly. Uh, plus six stealth, so that, yeah, that comes together. Uh, melee weapon deals one extra die of damage. Yeah, that makes them pretty dangerous. Like, even the, the CR1 bugbear has that. So even his normal Morningstar is 2d8 plus 2, which is, which is fairly scary. Like, that can do... What eighteen points max, which is higher than basically anyone can have at level one. <laughs> you just take people down. <laughs> if you, uh, I think, gave these guys like a two-handed great axe. Now that's two d twelve plus two. Oh no! <laughs> I think that's scary. why they didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, we were but talking about a, giving guys that is an idea to spice stuff, up. Though. Give yeah. these guys a great axe. Or, or like a two-handed. I guess, I guess a two-handed greatsword would just be three d six plus two, which isn't as scary. And then imagine, I mean, imagine if you crit with these guys and you're just rolling three d eight against a level one like 
barbarian or something. Yeah. You just like tee up and like bat the <laughs> barbarian's head <laughs> into space. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing I like about bugbears for level one parties is sixteen AC and twenty seven hit points means that they are this is gonna be several rounds of combat. This guy isn't going down in one turn. It's just they're, yeah, they're just hard to hit. Uh the surprise attack also, um so if they're if they surprise a creature and hit with an attack during the first round of combat that also adds an extra two d six of damage. So your your bog standard just this is a this is your normalest bugbear ever jumps out of a bush and hits your wizard <laughs> for two d eight plus two d six plus two piercing damage. That could be six. Could just be six damage. You you would hope, but even that even that's kind of dangerous for a level one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wizard is what D six hit die, and they could very well have zero constitution. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the way that that's supposed to be used is if you're a level one party, you should not have bugbears sneaking up on you. You should be the one sneaking up on the bugbears. If you're level three or four party, now maybe the bugbears are the ones that need a little bit of help, and and the DMs trying to use them in a way that like they're sneaking up on you now. I guess yeah, that would be. It'd be a little bit cruel to put a possibly yeah. lethal surprise. I mean, like, if you're running a three-man party, right, and then the bugbear just jumps out of bush and wipes out one of your three members on before you can even do anything, like any, I don't, I don't know, any two, any two level one characters are going to have a really hard time with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a strong like barbarian build, you know. It kind of feels that way. It's for a barbarian it. rogue multi-class. Yeah, <laughs> at level one. <laughs> uh, that is pretty cool, though. There's like, there's a lot you can do with just that as level one. Yeah, and I mean, um, with the stealth plus six, like if you're doing an ambush at like a level two, or level three, they have a pretty good chance of avoiding detection. They're gonna get you, man. And they can, yeah. Then they got javelins to throw at you too. I, I think. I think. Away. Yeah, I, I think their wounded members behind. <laughs> well, I think I think um, Tristan, you brought this up. It's it makes more sense to have one bugbear, right? And then and have a few like maybe like one hobgoblin friend and a couple goblins at most, right? You you want kind of a little weird mixed band where they don't quite get along and they're not super <laughs> good tactically, but they might be yelling at each other and doing a little chaos, um, keeping it interesting. Yeah. I like the um, I like it whenever you have both you have both hobgoblins and and bugbears. If you if usually what I do is I have like way more hobgoblins than bugbears, which is why the hobgoblins are in charge. But if you've got like two bugbears and two hobgoblins, then you can have the bugbears clearly win in a fight, but the hobgoblins are scheming, and maybe they even want one of just just one of the bugbears to die because they figure hey, if it's two on one, we get to tell him what to do. Oops, crossbow shot him in the back of the leg. Oh no. <laughs> Looks like we win the vote now. Yeah. How about this chief? He's big and scary. He's big and scary. Yeah. I mean, 17 AC and, and 65 hit points is no joke. Yeah. No. CR3. Stealth is the same, plus six, but the stats are are better across the board. Like you'd be happy to have these stats as as a player character. <laughs> mm-hmm. 17, 14, 14, 11, 12, 11. So nothing, nothing at 10 or less. Mm-hmm. Um still has the brute bonus dice. 
Uh, still has the surprise attack, but this adds Heart of Hrugek. Advantage on saving throws against being charmed, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, stunned, or put to sleep. So that's pretty strong. And they have multi-attack with the extra dice. Mm-hmm. This is not a good time. Yeah. And you, I mean, you could believe, like, say you're a level 4 or 5 party, and there's a chief and a few bugbears, and the chief has gotten his hands on, like, a D10 longsword or a D12 axe and something. Yeah. And then that with the multi-attack and the brute is really going to start hurting. Yeah, you could you could easily like I, I think I think based on the weapons that you would give to these, you can really shift the difficulty scale because of yeah. that because of that bonus dice. If you wanted a like a, a later game a bugbear chief, give him some weird, crazy like life draining enchanted battle axe. <laughs> Just go to town. <laughs> You're like, yeah, two D twelve. What's up? <laughs> it's a bugbear. <laughs> He gains it's cursed but that's fine yeah. he's a bugbear he doesn't care. he doesn't care he doesn't notice he's got some like you know crown of like health it's <laughs> just like I'm, a, I'm basically a dragon if you if so I, I, th- those are good toggles for the bugbear is whether or not um he's got good weapons i, I think that just the fact that is he on the, is he proactive or is he reactive is another good toggle because bugbears when they're just sitting in a cave with six goblins, they're not that bad. But if this guy is a, if he's a mover and shaker bugbear, and he's got big ideas, and he's, he wants to sneak into town and, like, steal your weapon and kill you, the fact that he might get a, he might get that surprise attack off, um, and that you don't necessarily fight him when you want to, means that, yeah, that first round of combat can potentially deal uh, 4d6 plus 4d8, plus six damage to like the first person he gets his hands on which is a ridiculous oh no (laughs) that's like that's like hitting someone with like a fireball at like third level and it's a surprise round yeah and i mean like the guy has 11 intelligence so it's not out of the out of the realm of possibility that he can concoct a plan like that like if you got a bugbear sneaking around doing stuff like that like a regular bugbear you might think it's a bit a bit strange, but a bugbear chief, he's not, he's not, he's not totally dumb. I like, so the, I have, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I have a thought for this. So you're, you're saying like they're, they're trying to, you know, get, maybe you have one that is ambitious and wants to get better weapons. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. So somebody, somebody in the party has some fancy magical weapon they picked up. This bugbear is like, Oh, I'm going to get that. <laughs> I'm going to take that one. All you need to do is have like when they're when they're fighting different goblins, and if one of the goblins escapes, uh, you just say like, "Oh man, those goblins were really impressed by your big magic sword. They were terrified of it." And then the first thing this goblin does when he gets to this other place is like, "Guys, we just got killed by some dudes, and one of them had this big cool war hammer that was on fire." And the bugbear's like, "Where do, where are they? Let's let's go get it. I want that hammer." I kind of I think you could do it kind of the Clark way too, right? Where you you introduce this kind of a little bit maybe more charismatic than usual bugbear level one. Notice this fancy weapon runs away, like makes it very clear, like ooh, that's fancy. I don't want to die today. It seems like I might, so I'm gonna leave <laughs> and come back later after I hit the gym, read some books. As a bugbear chief, we're gonna get that sword, my sword. You could have him just steal it. And then the party has to, like, if, if he gets the jump on the party, instead of, like, just saying, okay, he attacks you in your sleep, maybe the reason why they wake up is because he's, like, he's, like, sort of 
gleefully looking at the sword. He's got it in his hands, and he's like, yes! And they wake up to that in their camp, and he's like, well... Snuck in, (laughs) but was too excited, (laughs) giggling to himself. Holding holding a magical sword. Yeah, now they have to fight him with it. (laughs) (laughs) While he's trying to run away, right? Oh, yeah. Like, a bunch of goblins jump out of the bushes, and he's like, uh, distract them. (laughs) Distract your goblin, go! (laughs) He stabs another bugbear in the leg and says, you there, distract distract him. Is a bugbear chief strong enough to throw a goblin? Probably, right? 17 strength, probably. I'm thinking thinking that's that's a plan, too. Is siege bugbear... You know, they're they're maybe they're not sieging like a castle, but like a town. <laughs> just throwing like goblins with little torches up onto thatched roofs <laughs> to start fires. Could be a like sneaking yeah. sneaking around bushes outside the town and then just popping up and chucking a goblin over. <laughs> yeah, just throw a goblin into a, like a farmer's market, <laughs> cause some trouble. <laughs> a greased up goblin. Oh yeah, and they can't catch, can't catch it. it. <laughs> gets away <laughs> you throw uh you throw two goblins into town one with a number one on its chest and one with a number three and they keep looking for the second one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goblins can't go downstairs did you know that once a goblin like goes a... upstairs he can't go back down it's like a phobia now nah, their feet just aren't designed for it <laughs> they can't go backwards <laughs> you guys want to go to volos Let's go to let's go to yeah. Volos. Getting weird now with the Yeah. <laughs> He's reference cool. to high school pranks. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's how you become a goblin chieftain. You have to prank. <laughs> you have to prank the, a town. <laughs> You're like, yeah, and then we released a bunch of locusts and everyone starved to death. Great prank. <laughs> Great you prank. Impress, impress the other bugbears enough with your pranks that they vote for you. In the bugbear elections. All right, so rolled up <laughs> 186. Uh, it's a fiend. A Tanaruk? This is a demonic orc. Let's try it out. 186. So we were talking about orcs not too long ago. Um, yeah, the orc variants, right? This mm. is in there too. The Tanaruk. Who would like to describe the Tanaruk? I'll go for it. I mean, this is like, this is spiky, spiky orc. Very, very spiky. He's got like the Batman arms, like little little spikes on the on the forearms. Mm. Really cool devil horns, um, big pointy ears, extra, extra purple and red looking. And he's got this crazy axe. What are they calling it? This is, a, they're calling it a great sword. I'm not 100% sure about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, Really weird, bound, spiky, amorphous sword thing. Yeah, it looks like it's like sort of bone shaped, but it's clearly made of metal. Yeah, he's wearing like a whole like bear carcass as as a loincloth too. Oh wow! Yeah, it's <laughs> right there. That's pretty crazy. So I think this is kind of just this is like as you kind of move through the orc variants. Because, like, the Orc of Ilnaval and, like, the, the Luthic ones, they're kind of, like, starting to get a little weirder. Then you get into the, like, the Yertris ones where they're, like, fully corrupted. This is, like, okay, they're just they're just servants of demons now. Like, they've gone all out. Yeah, so, 
Uh, read this. So this it says the demon lord Baphomet gladly shares the secret of creating Tanarooks with those who entreat him for power. The process corrupts an unborn orc of the tribe, transforming it at birth into a creature much more savage than an orc. So these are born this way. They're not like they're not corrupted orcs over time. Yeah, I think the rest of them were like born as normal orcs previously. Um, for fearsome fighters, they're a threat to their allies off the battlefield. I, mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, right? They're they're a demon orc, chaotic evil, just incredibly strong yeah. and aggressive. They just run around attacking everything they see, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it seems like they just have to fight. They have a reaction uh, if they get hit by a melee attack. They just make a melee attack against with advantage. With advantage. <laughs> wow. That's, That's good. Nice. Yeah. These are so dangerous. I like so. It also says in the lore here that um, in addition, if if one of these things lives long enough to like you know just become a member of the orc tribe, its bloodline is corrupted and they can just show up. So you don't necessarily need to have someone is like really into demon worship in order to get these. It could have just been the case that like two hundred years ago these orcs were really into demon worship, and now every now and then these things just pop up. Um, that gives me a great idea for a storyline around this. Time travel. No, no. <laughs> no, I was thinking I was thinking more like you have an orc tribe that's trying to like integrate into society. Say it's like it's like more of like a typical D&D world where orcs are a little bit like outcast mm-hmm. and like a little bit like people are like oh they're dangerous, oh they'll attack you. They're they're known for being violent. And this orc tribe's like trying to reintegrate. They're like, no, guys, we're cool. We're peaceful. Look, we're farming. It's totally great. And then like somebody in the village gives birth to one of these. And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> and so like maybe they have they like hid it away or like they tried to abandon it in the woods or something. And then it's like it came back and it's like, I'm, I got to get my place back in the tribe and I'm badass. So I'm going to kill the leader and I'm going to be in charge now. And now we're going to war, and all the orcs, all these are like the softy orcs too, and they're like, we don't want to go to war. And he's like, yeah, they're all like farming. <laughs> but like, you know, the Tanarok's so intense that it's like, nah. I mean, if you don't fight, I'll kill you, and I'll win. <laughs> I'll win this fight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it does say like rather than risk raising a natural born Tanarok, most tribes slay such abominations. Maybe but I mean, in, in your orcs. in your in your idea of like, yeah, if like orcs integrating into a into an integrating into a town. Like if your part, like if your party has some kind of sway in the town, you can kind of make it their decision. And if, assuming they're not just a giant murder hobo party, you know, killing a baby killing babies, seems yeah. to be demonic is not is not an easy decision for the party to make. Well, no, that's that's why that, that's kind of why I was thinking like you have it have happened in the past, and they were because they were trying to like be good and like you know peaceful orcs. They're like we can't just kill a baby. Well, like you know. Well, maybe just like leave it in a nice part of the woods and maybe it'll survive or be raised by wolves or something, you know? They're like trying to make it not their problem mm. without directly killing it. And because it's like so intense, it doesn't care. It probably ate the wolves and <laughs> try to raise it. I mean, you could even have it be like they handed it over to the clergy to try and raise correctly and the clergy just wasn't ready. Like maybe it wasn't even like, it was like cute as a baby. And it wasn't that bad as a kid. Just little like, tiny horns. By the time he was six, he was like bigger than a man, and like pretty violent. Ripping, ripping somebody's arm off. Yeah. Yeah. 
and like the clergy's like we try we try and like calm emotions every day and that sort of works and we don't know what to do he's clearly got demon in him but we can't just get it out and then one day he's just like you know what calm emotions don't work i'm ticked off i got in a fight i killed a guy it was rad i'm gonna i'm in charge now i'm the boss it's literally the broly storyline from dragon ball z (laughs) do you know that one i'm going to assume they tried to keep his power level down basically so like yeah it was like some like saiyan baby that was born at the same time as goku but like was born a super saiyan like so he was angry from birth and so they gave him all this like jewelry that keeps him from you know getting too mad and then like but like when he hits puberty or whatever he's like nah screw that i'm mad i'm so badass i'm so strong and then he like tries to kill like every main character of the show oh. i think he does actually like, he kills almost everybody but not goku uh no goku always dies but then they bring him back goku he's like always, always one of the first yeah he's always one of the first people to die in dragon ball z it's so sad <laughs> it's all about friendship and like if you fight together you you do more winning as long as you're goku and you got to eat those beans. <laughs> the legumes, they've got that good protein for you. Tasty beans, yeah. These are cool, though. I think I think there's a lot of... I, I like that it's... This can just happen to an orc tribe. Because then, yeah. then you can have it just emerge and, and, like, mess things up. You create interesting stories. And just, like, if you just, like, show up in an orc village and everybody's, like, really, like, cagey about it, they're like, oh, no, don't go there. don't don't talk to those people (laughs) you could you could even have like a a mission where like a local town on like a like a tundra says like listen there's an orc tribe a couple miles to the north they're usually not that bad they don't really do that much raiding on us we even trade with them from time to time they have a tanneruk that has come of age and um he is working with the tribe for now but we do have reports that he's aggressive and um we want you to go in there and assassinate the demon just in case he just in case he takes charge we don't want him waging war against us and you have like a very sensitive like kill the demon mission or something very like you know don't just don't just go in there and piss off all the orcs right yeah because they're gonna they're gonna protect their their people you guys want to go to the stats this guy yeah, stat-wise, I mean, he's an AC-14, which, at a CR-5 monster, you're not going to have too hard a time hitting him. But 95 hit points seems decently beefy. Uh, 18 strength, which is quite high, and 20 constitution. Uh, as well as magic resistance uh, against advantage on saving throw against basically all spells and magical effects. As well as resi- resistance to fire and poison. Uh... So, I mean, not the easiest to take down. Your mage is going to be kind of less useful with the fire and poison damage resistance, as well as the advantages. Uh, its attacks are not nothing too out of the ordinary, I think. 1d8 plus 4 bite, 2d6 plus 4 greatsword, plus 7 to hit. But it's got uh, it's got the reaction, as Dylan mentioned just now, where uh, if it's hit by a melee attack, it can attack back with advantage, uh, as well as aggressive. as a So as a bonus action... He can move up to its speed towards a hostile creature it can see. So it, it can just be zooming around the battle speed, the battlefield really fast. I think if you brought over the uh, the brute effect from the bugbears to this, you could make like probably like a CR seven version of this. It's just so dangerous. Like, <laughs> like maybe if it's like not only is this orc born from you know the demon bloodline, but like has like. 
you know, made like a pact with Baphomet and it's just like, I'm going to be super strong, super swole orc, kill everybody. Like an ascended Tanaroke or something. And I'm sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sneaky now. Ooh, a, a, a bugbear Tanaroke hybrid. <laughs> Steals your sword and then completely brutalizes you with it. Yeah, aggressive aggressive is we talked about it back then, but it's so good just to be like, Hello, I am in your face and you are you are now in melee range with me. Um and and so he's gonna get that unbridled fury going all the time. And uh also the fact that he has resistance to like fire and poison me it like that makes the wizard not as good because those are probably the two most common like magic ranged abilities means that you're going to be relying more heavily on your martial classes. So your ranger is okay, but all the people who need to get close and hit this guy are going to be dealing with that great sword. I th- I actually think that this the way that this is constructed counters every type of of individual class cuz like the aggressive your ranger gets one good round and then it's in their face. Yeah. Well, so like it's it's got resistance to all these spells. Your melee classes are going to get keep getting reaction hits all the time and then a ranger's going to have to switch or keep running away all the time. That's true. These things are scary. I think it's I think it's got to be about group tactics and like hit and run tactics, keep everybody off of them. And you're going to yeah, take you just, some reaction you just, like, hits. Just spread out and then yeah. try to like get it to, to kind of retarget every round. Good good distractions and and maybe some just kind of hope on some crowd control effects. <laughs> now, I mean, like, like two of these in a fight could become a real headache because, like, because you can't really like be trying to crowd control two of them at once. No, no, I, I think I think these get much much more difficult the more of them there are. It does seem to be like you'd probably only expect to see one of these at a time. Yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't seem like two of them could could coexist in a tribe. <laughs> they would just be too angry about it. That could be a fun fight though. If they were tr- trying to like prove, kind of, it was like it was like a competition fight. So like they're fighting individually to try to kill the party. But if one of them like you know knocks down somebody in the party, maybe the other Tanner is like, no, now now it's on. <laughs> now we're fighting too. You know, it'd be scary to use uh, with these guys the Yurtris mod, the Yurtris orcs. I mean, yeah, they're just exploding your face, <laughs> poison bomb orcs. Or this guy could like just hit it and explode it in one shot. Well, I guess not one shot. They have thirty hit points, but oh no the the orc nurtured ones can explode on will. You don't need to kill them. They can just use yeah that they're vengeance. if they're just over it. Yeah, and then the tanner orc has resistance against the poison damage, so it doesn't even care if you explode in his face. Yeah, and then everyone else is poisoned and has disadvantage on their attacks, and he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's like, go ahead, try and hit me. I'll just hit you back harder. <laughs> way harder. I have a dead bear on my waist. That's a whole bear, isn't it? I think that a really scary Tanneric would have its loincloth made out of like humanoid skin. <laughs> yeah, just to prove terrifying. it. Yeah, just to be like, nope. It's the king. It's the king. <laughs> I, I skinned him didn't do a very good job treating it either he's just sort of a flappy bloody mess no he wouldn't be careful with it he'd just take the skin and wrap it around somehow it's like uh it's like skinning a rabbit you just kind of pull it 
just hope for the best. Uh, all right. Well, Mario, it's me. Time. Who's first? Well, it was your it was your thing, but I think it's you know guest time. Got to be Justin. Got to be Justin. All right. I'll confess, I don't think I know as much about Mario as you two. I've gone with characters. Uh, but I'm calling my monster the imperfect doppelganger. So okay. basically, these are... like You run into them probably in cities, right? And then you, you, when you see them, like they kind of look like you. Um, and they're copying your clothes, but the colors are off. And then they might be like fatter or taller than you. And then when they introduce themselves, it's just a wah in front of whatever your name is. <laughs> So it's basically just Wario and Waluigi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but ah, but like, but like, it's not it's not the perfect doppelganger thing where it's like really creepy. It's just like it's um the, a lot of Star Trek seasons have had this where they have like a fake crew going around like doing almost <laughs> what the what the crew <laughs> of like this ship would be doing. But yeah, evil uh, kind of just evil con men versions of the party. Yeah, so that's that's what I kind of had like like so these creatures like they want. So I'll probably make them decently tough, and they kind of want, like, the fame that the party has kind of, or, like, the, the respect or glory or whatever the party has kind of accrued by the time they've done a few quests mm-hmm. uh, or saved a few people, right? And they see, like, they see people, like, loving the party or, like, giving them gifts or whatever, and they're like, hey, I want that. So they, they try to copy what the party is, but but they can't do it. Like, their, their ability means that their doppelganging is, I don't know if that's a verb, but... Uh, their copying is imperfect, so then they kind of look like the party, um, but it's very clear they're not the party, and then they just kind of get angry as to like, why people aren't showing them the same respect as the party is, and then, you know, progressively just kind of get angrier and angrier and start messing with the party, uh, right. or, or trying to steal credit for their actions, but not, not realizing fully why it's not working for them. They challenge them to golf or tennis or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> they... doubles. Or they like show up at the end of a quest and they just try and steal whatever it is the party's doing. They're not like they're they're trying to steal like the success of the party. They're not doing like the existential. I'm trying to steal who you are and replace you entirely. Yeah, they're less. They're yeah, they're less deadly than like a doppelganger would normally be. It seems like yeah. they're mostly just like I I could see a good way of introducing them as being like they go and pick up the reward for a quest. And you catch them like leaving town. And you're like, those guys look kind of familiar, but like not a hundred percent there. And you don't even know that they that they're really copying you until you go try to pick up the the quest reward. And the magistrate's like, oh no, you were here. You you picked this up. I have it noted down. <laughs> and then you got to go track good. them down. Yeah. But I like the yeah. I, it's just like it's it'd be pretty easy to just be like you get because like you get character descriptions from everybody in the party and you're like okay so this one's an elf so we're gonna make that one a dwarf and like they wear a green cape so now it's a red cape you know they use they use a battle axe so we're gonna switch that to like you know a pole arm just whatever it's just kind of it's close enough but not quite there yeah and then like if your barbarian has a scar on the left side then 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 the copy has a scar on the right side and like and it's bigger yeah (laughs) It's fatter or it's lankier or some some variant in size. Is this like a like like a shape shifting creature or is this literally just like eight like four dudes with disguise kits? No, I, I think it's more of a shape shifting creature. Um, 
I think like they they kind of do like they kind of want the glory and recognition that the party has, and then they try to copy mm-hmm. uh, what it is. I I do think I I was thinking more of a match, just just a really bad disguise. <laughs> I think yeah, like a super minor demon, right? That's just <laughs> not into not into like all the scary stuff, but just into like annoyance and inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, base basically that, right? Like if they're not they're not going to be super intimidating, and like even if you go to fight them, there might not be a very tough fight, and they might not even be the kind of like they might kind of run away or or like plead with you, right? They might not just immediately attack back, so you, your party can kind of kill them easily. Um, but they're just kind of running around trying to take credit for your, for what you've been doing and just annoying you in general until you get sick of it and deal with it. They break into tears a lot. <laughs> yeah. I do think it would be pretty funny if they challenged the party to some type of competitive sporting event <laughs> as a way to resolve their differences. Like the last person they copied was like a golf master. Right. Yeah. Like they're yeah. like, have you heard of this sport? Golf. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that—that's basically the extent of my idea. Just kind of like a fun. I mean, you, you couldn't use it more than once in a campaign, but just kind of like a fun. It's a good side, side monster. Yeah. Side I know we we did something similar to that. We did a a um, sort of a sci-fi campaign, um, and Dylan, you sort of threw some almost doppelgangers at us once. Yeah, well, see, like that's that's the Star Trek version where it's basically like they're just pretending to be you to get to steal your rewards, but they really don't know anything much about you other than it's like, okay, there's four of them. You know, one of them was a drunk, one of them was a tech guy. There's a rich dude and like, <laughs> like a guy that likes yeah. explosives. Like, so See, yeah. but like, at the end of the campaign, you told us you just kind of threw it in for fun. Right. But for yeah, me, I like, didn't think about I was that. so convinced they were something real and important in, in universe. Like someone was messing with us or, or something big was happening with these guys bond and, no, it's a total and, and throwaway nope. bag. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a throwaway fun thing. It's a filler episode, basically. Yeah, and I think like if you have these guys running in and say like like if your character's name is Roland and it's like I'm War Roland, like like it'll be fairly <laughs> obvious and, and and not misconstrued as something real. <laughs> He's got a big upside down R on his hat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, like if your party has like a crest, it's just upside down. <laughs> they don't know anything about it. Yeah. Oh man. And they've got to have like very villainous mustaches. Of course. <laughs> of course. If you have a castle, you come home one day and there's just another castle next to yours. Upside down. <laughs> like, this is our castle. It's bigger. Yeah. Am I in? Am I up? Let's hear it. Mario. Okay, I was thinking I was just going pretty like generic Mario monster. I like the Hammer Bros for a D&D setting. I think that uh, you know, thrown weapons don't get used all that often. And they kind of fit in with sort of the bullywug setting where it's like this swamp is overrun with like intelligent monstrous creatures. Mhm. And 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 like the the bullywogs are kind of like they're kind of garbage, right? Like they're not really that dangerous. And the only thing that we had to enhance that was like the frog hemoth, <laughs> which is like way way too intense compared to the bullywogs. So like kind of to go back to like you know the bugbear idea where there's a hierarchy of weird swamp creatures. Throw in some turtles that love to throw <laughs> love to throw hammers around. 
I think you keep with the Mario theme where they uh, they can jump pretty high, make them a little scary, or maybe they jump out of trees, surprise you. Um, are there fire versions of the Hammer Bros? At some point, there have to be. There has to be, right? But I think, yeah, you set you set a hammer on fire, throw it. That's scarier. Um, but yeah, I really think like the shock troopers of the Bullywog Swamp World uh, could be a pretty fun time. I, I, I like that reveal where it's like, here comes some bullywugs and then some turtles jump out. And the <laughs> jump party out might the even tree. be like, these, these are some jumping turtles. Huh? Are they ninjas? And you're like, one of them reaches back behind his, behind his back <laughs> and grabs something. And then he just hurls up just a, like a blacksmith hammer at you. And I was like, thinking like stone hammers, but yeah, like <laughs> just <laughs> because they have to make like, they have to make tons of them and they're in a swamp. So there'd be like trees and stuff around, which is like, yeah, just like misshapen rocks on the end of sticks. Yeah. Just throwing endlessly. Just hurling all so these, these are like, they are like actual hammers. It's not like an infinite supply of magical hammers that they pull out of the show. No, no, they have, they, they will have a, like a finite supply, but you know, they're, they're winging them. They've got good aim. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, the, and the, just like the jumping that they can jump in and out of trees, <laughs> it's just extra fun. Um, I think I think really like for that, the only the only extra thing you could do is that they always travel in pairs of two to, to imply the brotherhood. I think that's key. <laughs> that's, that's how you know. That's how you know what you're dealing with. Um, they're not super exciting, but I think that it adds a little bit, a little bit more spice to a swamp encounter. So you're thinking like they kind of work with other swamp creatures or they're kind of their own race of swampy creatures? Well, no. So like, cause you know, we're keeping it Mario brothers. So they are part of the, you know, Koopa army, which I guess mm. includes bullywogs now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, like, they, like, you know, your bullywog would be kind of like your goblin level <sighs> thing. And then <laughs> there's so much noise happening around me. <laughs> uh, so your bullywogs are like your uh, your like goblin level, and I would think these would be kind of like maybe not quite bugbear level, maybe like a hobgoblin type of danger. Well, I don't know because Hammer Brothers are like you only fight like one or two of them at the end of a level. They're like pretty top tier. Yeah. yeah, like those hammers do pretty good damage. I I just there's like yeah there's like no way to really understand damage scale in Mario Brothers because every hit counts the same. <laughs> Well, they're they're it's physically larger. True. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it would be really scary to have like a fully humanized humanoid sized turtle that's like bugbear scary, like ready to just throw down. Because <laughs> then, yeah, you could you could be like, there's only ever two of them per a tribe, and they're the Hammer Brothers. <laughs> yeah, only only twins can coexist. Otherwise, they fight to the death. Well, and if you wanted to go like super like ninja dojo thing with it, maybe it's like. There's some weird like turtle like hammer master that lives up in the mountains and will only train twins in, in this <laughs> style of combat. <laughs> and you describe to your party like these turtles jump out with very similar facial features. <laughs> and the party's like, why are you telling us about the turtles' faces? <laughs> All They're turtles look the same to me anyway. They're turtles. <laughs> <laughs> this is a xenophobic party. It doesn't understand. <laughs> turtles are different, man. Oh, that's good. I like, I like, are you going to describe the tech as like the turtle readies to strike you? 
he leaps five feet up in the air and then lobs a hammer in a nice slow softball arc towards you and then you roll the right dice and it's like right it on the top of your head <laughs> yeah yeah no i think that's what it's got to be they got these cool arcs they're spinning a lot you know and they're just really precise attacks i think they get a pretty high bonus but it's like i don't know i wouldn't put that much damage on it like 1d6 or something yeah, probably not not any bonus, honestly. Just yeah, and they're because like they're throwing, they, maybe they throw like two two around, and they're like targeting different people. Because they're, I, I think in the like in the game, they're just kind of throwing hammers. They don't care particularly whether or not they hit you. They just they will just do, due to sheer volume. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe they get two attacks, but they have to target different people. You could always make it a deck save thing instead. <laughs> like they're just covering an area. This is black. Yeah, this is the area with hammers. <laughs> that could be interesting because then, yeah, like a rogue with like uncanny dodge would have a little bit easier of a time. <laughs> it's an AOE. It's like a circle attack that they just move around. Yeah, that could be an ability. Like, like on a turn, the two of them have to work together to like cover an area with hammers. Comes like an AOE deck save attack. Oh, so when you thing. yeah, so when you take one of them down, they become much less dangerous because it like yeah. reduces the area that it can cover or something. Yeah. yeah. Or the other one just has to kneel down and do funeral rites. These are very <laughs> immediately. <awful> turtles. <laughs> immediately. Yep. Praise to the turtle. The hammer turtle, bro. In this guy. Now he has to go live on the mountain and train twins because this is all he can do now. He can't battle. Oh, them. it's like a. It's like a Sith thing. They have to train the next generation of Hammer Bros. My other idea was uh, just a Wiggler. And uh, it kind of sucks, though, because basically it's just a giant centipede. um, But when you hit it, it goes extra fast. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think that would be terrifying. Um, Like a rage centipede. It, it would basically, yeah, it would basically amount to being just a variant of of a giant centipede, which I think could be interesting, right? Just have an angry version that every time it gets hit, it has like one round of like doubled speed or something. Yeah, I guess I guess the problem with that is that like speed is one of those things where unless you're planning on running down the wizard or the ranger, um, it's often wasted. You know what I mean? It could get more. It could get an extra attack. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It just it it becomes mm. immune to opportunity attacks, and it can run around like sixty feet. And anyone that it can get up to, it gets a free attack on. Yeah, I mean, That'd it, be pretty, like pretty cool. And you could you could fit it in where it's like it has like you know. So you're, you're talking about the flower on the head. Maybe it's like a fungus, They're like rage fungus. Mm. You know, make it a little bit more in world. But yeah, I wasn't as excited about the Wiggler version. I like the Hammer Bros. Hammer Bros are pretty good. I think they fit yeah, in like too. Them. Like they're not they're not too weird, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the the first monster that I want to talk about is a Koopa, which I'm gonna basically scrap most of what I had, and I'm just gonna piggyback off of the Hammer Bros. Um and I'm basically just gonna make it also it's a turtle. It's like a human sized turtle with a shell. But he doesn't have hammers. He's like probably goblin or maybe CR half in difficulty. Uh, And I would probably give him similar stats to a bugbear. And if you bloodied him, then he falls over 
His shell falls off. <laughs> uh, I imagine sort of like in the game, they're wearing, he's wearing like, you know, underwear with pink hearts on it. Just like, <laughs> in like, it's like, like an undershirt, like a sleeveless <laughs> undershirt. Like he's like, ah, dang, <laughs> there goes my clothes. Um, and at that point they can still fight, but then the shell becomes a projectile. So like you can pick it up and throw it for like 1d6 plus one damage or something. Um, just like a goofy, just, you have to have like the Koopa picks it up, holds it over his head and throws it in a straight line. And it becomes like a make a deck save DC 10. It's <laughs> just enraged by their loss of their shell. Yeah. Are there, are there green versions that can only walk forward? <laughs> Ooh. And then red versions that are a little bit trickier. Like turn around on occasion. You can give them wings. I like, so here's what if they all have red shells, but they paint their shells green to signify that they will never retreat. Oh, they're like, the, they're like, yeah, they're just kamikaze turtles. Oh, no, yeah, you give them regular brown shells, but they're painted green to signify that they will never, ever retreat and they will win their mission, and they're painted red to signify their commanding officers, and they're allowed to be a little more nuanced in their decisions. It's, yeah, no, it's like it's like the rankings of the of the Koopa army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, are you going to have wing versions? Ooh. They have like majestic Pegasus-like wings, all majestic. of a <laughs> so they can hover up and down and stare at you angrily. Yeah, uh, I don't see why not. And then the the uh, the Hammer Brothers could, could uh, fly them into battle, and now we're getting <laughs> real crazy. <laughs> uh, I like the, the the shells. Like uh, if they just whenever they hit a wall, they just kind of keep bouncing off. Yeah, they, so they like ref- they bounce off and reflect yeah. a different way. Yeah, and if so they're like, like indoors and like, it just kind of keeps infinitely going until a party member like, takes time to like actually attack one of the shells or I guess jump on it. Ooh, <laughs> you have to jump. And then, like, but so, like eventually, like unless the party does something about it, there's five shells just constantly floating around. If you're playing indoors, it's not floating, yeah. rolling around. I mean, even even in a swamp, which would be probably the typical place you'd find these, you know, trees are going to bounce them around like a pinball. Machine. Yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe they only bounce around really good when you're in a swamp because they can skip on the water or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, skips over a little, little stone. Uh, that's my that's my goofy number one backup monster. Um, the next one is a bomb bomb, which essentially I thought would just be a variant of the Modron. You. Or basically you just have a Modron that when you destroy it, instead of dying immediately, his eye goes red and he starts ticking. And then (laughs) in exactly one round from when he is defeated, uh, he explodes for like 1d6 damage. Not a lot, but you can sort of kick him around too if you'd like. Little AoE. Yeah, and I figured Modron would be good, but you could also just make it be like an artificer sort of how i once had a monster that was literally just a little vial with arms just have it be a bomb with arms that tries to stab (laughs) you i i kind of like that because then you could have uh an artificer that's like you know got a collection of these and is throwing them at you you know like they have like a switch that you can just like flick to cause this Mm -hmm. or they if they take enough damage they just lose stability and go off it's true. That's true. Yeah. The artificer angle is pretty good because then you can even have like the big wick on the end and it doesn't, that fits well with, better with an artificer than yeah. it does with a Modron. Um, yeah. The, 
part of the part of the problem with the Modron angle is that they love order. Like that's the whole point, right? Is is restoring order and explosions are kind of chaotic. Yeah, a little bit, but I could see there being like very controlled demolitions being a thing that they would be interested in having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaos Cult Temple has got to come down, but we don't want to damage the surrounding area. Send in the Modron Demolition Brigade. Uh, um, my last idea, and this one's this one's a little meta. Are you familiar, uh, Justin, are you familiar with um, Super Mario Kaizo levels? I am not. A Kaizo level is a very difficult Mario level that oftentimes has these things called Kaizo Blocks. And a Kaizo block is an invisible coin block that is you can't see, obviously, and it's very inconveniently placed so that you see a nice, easy jump, and you leap to make the jump, and instead of making the jump, you hit your head on this coin block, you get one coin, and then you plummet to your death because your jump has been interrupted. <laughs> so okay. I would make this an Underdark monster. Uh, <laughs> it is psychic, so it's going to be like an evil flump or maybe like a cave fisher or something that's sort of like watching at an area where people try and traverse. And maybe there's just like, it's just like a six foot gap. It's not too difficult to jump. Um, but there's like a ravine down below, like a 30 feet drop. Spiky, nasty ravine. Yeah, exactly. And you go, okay, we'll jump it. Your, your warrior jumps. Hey, I made the jump. Your ranger jumps. Hey, I made the jump. Your wizard jumps. I hit an invisible two by two foot block. <laughs> Uh, make a deck save to grab onto it. Oh, you failed. You plummet thirty feet into the ravine. <laughs> so like it like spikes them down into the. <laughs> it's like a... it it doesn't like punch them. It just it just puts a barrier there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so you just you just like run into it, and if you're not ready for it, then you just ran into an invisible block while mid jump, and you're just gonna plummet, and you're just gonna. That's like... actually that's pretty good because like does it dig these ravines itself? I wouldn't think so. I think it would just wander around the Underdark looking Finding. for choice spots. Yeah. And then it finds one. And then I guess the idea is what kind of monster do you want this to be? Um, it's got to be psychic, so obviously. Monster. Sorry, so the monster is the block or it's something putting these blocks around? It's something that's interfere. making these blocks. I guess it could technically be like an invisible block. Yeah, I th cover. that's kind of what I was thinking. Is if you're saying it's like the flump, then it's just kind of it floats in the air over this kind of like a spider like waiting for prey to fall into the trap like it's just like if you try to jump this ledge you're going to run into it fall into the ravine most likely and then it's going to come down and eat you that's yeah. what i was thinking all right i'm one over i'm one over it's now literally a it's a two by two foot block <laughs> monster that floats in inconvenient locations um now i just need to think about how is it going to eat you Maybe it just has like a, it just opens up. It's got a big mouth. <laughs> well, if it's, it, I mean, again, like if you're thinking flump, this could be just kind of like a jellyfish thing where it just kind of like, like lays on you and extrudes its stomach to slowly digest you. Wow, that's terrifying, but I like it. Yeah, it's the underdog. I mean, yeah, I like, it could be like a jellyfishy flump type thing, and then it just has like an alternate, like it can transform itself into this invisible block. Yeah, it just becomes which, like more and more like solid. and I guess whatever like it has like you know the immovable rod. Oh yeah, it has that property. It just That's you just good. can't move it while it's invisible there. And then like once it once it's dropped into a ravine, it kind of unfurls itself, and its tentacles start coming down at you and trying to eat you. I like I like that a lot that you mentioned the invisible rod because you could make this be or the immovable rod because you could make this be like a monster from which components for that are are required. Ooh, 
Ooh, that'd be cool. Like, if someone harvests the body of this weird monster, um, someone's like, oh, I can make you, like, two invisible rods now. Yeah, it's got, like, a, it's like got like mm. a gland or something that secretes the, <laughs> the secret sauce. Yeah. For the immovable rod. I don't know how you would use a Kaizo block in, like, a dungeon, unless you wanted to be, like, they're intelligent enough that they can be bribed, and then a wizard bribed one as a joke and just brought him into his <laughs> lair. a joke. <laughs> Because that's, that's what Kaizo blocks are in Mario levels. It's like, yeah. you did the, all the hard stuff. Okay, now all you have to do is make this last jump. Oh, you died, LOL. So imagine you fight all these monsters, and you get to the very end, and it's just like, all right, you just got to climb this ladder, and you're climbing the ladder, and at the very end, you reach up, and you just bash your hand against an invisible wall, and it surprises you so badly you fall 30 feet and break your neck. Or, yeah, or, like, it's like, a, yeah, this <laughs> tiny gap is, like, easily jumpable, and there's treasure chest on the other side. Just, just jump across. Nope. You fell in a hole. Yeah, I mean, like, if your dungeon is, like, yeah, like a mad wizard or something who just, it's like, it's been setting traps and puzzles and stuff for, for people who come in all on. You get to this ravine, and then parties are already going to be skeptical, right? But then they do a couple things, jump over the ravine, first two people cross, it's all good. They think, okay, it's not a trap. It's just a ravine, or just a pit for no reason. And then, bam, <laughs> if it's a block... <laughs> Yeah, like maybe it maybe it lets you jump across the first time, but you can't come back. Like that's when it moves into place. Mm. You're trapped. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it, it watches how you do it so it can get the right elevation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Now when you when you when you jump into it, does it give you a gold? Hmm. <laughs> Just, just for the full homage. And and plays like a yay sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> or the heartbeat. One of the two. That's a uh, good that's a good question. I think you do have to have a gold fly up in the air somehow. Ba-ding. And then land next to you after you crash onto the ground. And the it just drops it into the ravine with you. There you'd have to come up with a good lore reason for that. I cannot think I of don't, it. There's not there's no way. No, there isn't one. Unless it's unless it's the wizard just playing a joke, that that might be the way to do it. Or or like falls onto your face and you take an extra point of damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could carry a little bag of coins on the top of its head that's invisible too, and whenever you hit it, sometimes it jostles it just enough. <laughs> I don't know. That's that. See, that's something that like would be a hundred percent necessary, but there's just it's just there's just no way to describe how there's that happens. There's no way to do it. No. Yeah. Unless it eats gold, and when you hit it, you surprise it, and a little bit drops out. <laughs> it's not good. It's not great. Uh Yeah, those are those are mine. I like I like our monsters. These are good ones. These are. Um, I think the trick is they're usable, and people might not know their Super Mario connections a hundred percent. Until they say I'm Wa Roland, or <laughs> until the second Hammer Brother, a, a pair of brothers, cameras at you, <laughs> or I guess my as soon as they see like he falls out of his shell with uh you know heart underwear and a yeah. sleeveless white t shirt, they're gonna be like that's a Koopa, that's a Koopa. Uh, I mean, I think I think there's there could definitely be like a whole campaign built around like just kind of a general Mario Brothers vibe. You know, you build a weird grid world and like you know, lava ones, nice meadow, and then you go inside of a castle and it's a whole dungeon with lava, <laughs> big 
scary spiky turtle. Yeah, so maybe you probably doesn't even know it, and like the kind of first mission is like, oh, save the princess. And like, oh, yeah. okay, some standard, standard D and D. There's a myconoid guy in the bottom of a castle. It's like your princess is in another castle. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting a lot of blights that are crawling out of wells in the ground, aren't we? Yeah. So why are there so many wells? <laughs> uh, I think that I think the only idea that I I think you had mentioned this before. Uh, it was like a like it to seemed like kind of a crazy thing to do, but I, I didn't, I didn't really think too much about it. Little guy in a cloud throwing, you know, like a fishing rod. <laughs> yeah. Throwing stuff. messing with you. Could be an interesting idea. Beat him up. You hijack his cloud. Now you're Goku. Yeah. And if you will, and if you're, you're racing your doppelgangers in some type of chariot competition and you fall off a cliff, <laughs> it picks you up. <laughs> You back track to the fishing pole. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just holding up the score while you're playing tennis. Yeah, yeah. You get to the racing competition with these doppelgangers, and they're like, "I we brought some friends. Here's my friend the turtle. Here's my friend the <laughs> Here's a big monkey. <laughs> it's just it's just a gorilla. It's just not even like anything." <laughs> We put him on a wagon. <laughs> Let's go. Let's race. <laughs> uh, we have an elf and a yoga instructor. It's crazy. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. Uh, Justin, you got to bring us home with that theme. <laughs> Give me a creature that is uh, significantly wider than it is either tall. A very wide monster. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Like a wall monster. <laughs> like a thwomp. Actually, no, they're taller than they are. Anything else. They're just cubes, aren't they? Yeah, I thought they were like generally cubes. Mm, I think thwomps are like four by two tall-wise. Hmm. Yeah, it might depend on the game. Yeah. Okay, a, a very wide monster. I like it. Well, yeah, hey, thanks for that, recording, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me as a guest again. <laughs> Every time. No problem. Every time. Uh, see you guys later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.